Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually... Um, Welcome, everybody, to another Oddcast featuring me, your odd man out, and I have a special guest this week. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. I actually have a guest. I'm actually doing a show. So my friend Jack Allen from Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence is coming on the show. He's had me on so many times, and I barely ever even do guests, but I definitely have been wanting to have him on. And um, I think that most people know him, but those people, for those people that don't, Jack, could you kind of introduce yourself and maybe talk a little bit about the show and kind of what your kind of line of research is on or like maybe what your favorite stuff to research is? Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I think you always use this line, Odd Man. I'm honored to be on the show. So I am I'm honored to be on your show for the, for it to change it up. And uh, basic, basically my show, though, um, is I, I just read a book and do an outline on it. So that's my, I, I, I am not the smartest guy in the conspiracy world. Odd man's read way more books than I have been doing it much longer, but that's my, so I, and I usually just pick topics that they're all over the place, but I've been recently medieval time. That's like, I'm, I'm good with that. And like 1800s, some more war two, but usually, yeah. So that's my, that's the, the basis of my, of my show is just the, the reading and, and giving a little outline to save people some time who maybe don't like to read. Well, I think that's great, man. And you kind of do where, cause I really wanted to kind of go in the direction that you've went in is more of the history. I wanted to get more away from the secret societies and all this, you know, kind of uh, conspiracy stuff and darker stuff, but I just, I don't know. I keep getting pulled back into it and uh, I hate it. I hate it. I really, it's really depressing, but you're a true history buff. I mean, you really enjoy history and you enjoy learning new stuff. And uh, I think that's awesome because it's so lacking 
in our culture. And, you know, even I, I talk about how, and I may have mentioned this to you in the past, but even like your average history buff, like say your old, you know, everybody has that old uncle or somebody they know who's like into history. And he seems kind of weird, you know, because most people do not care about the past. But even that guy, a lot of times is only into kind of like pop culture, mainstream history. And you kind of have to, uh, you know, I think you should learn that as well. But I think that uh, also, you know, maybe look at some of the books that are a little bit harder to find, a little bit less popular. And so you've done that a lot, and I think that's awesome. And I really like how you um, you explain the books. You don't just read them like the easy way like I do. You actually look over them, make notes, and explain them to people. <laughs> And it's like you said, nobody, I mean, a lot of people are never going to read these books. So it's great. It's a no. great thing what you do. But dude, you bring up such a good point about like the weird uncle. And I, I just, it just, it made me think of, um, what's the, the Jay Dyer's done the series so many times. It's like that. It's, oh. it's the weird director. It's in Minnesota, Twin Peaks, Twin okay. Peaks. But it made me think of the dad that owns the hotel. I think he like goes crazy at some point but he's like a big civil war buff. And he's like in his, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you seen? I've, I've not, I've seen you know, like the original one. I watched a little bit way back in the day, but I haven't okay. seen the new one. I haven't rewatched it either. Well, it, it's not like, but he, when he, something happened, I don't know. He goes, but he, he, he's, he's a big civil war buff fan. And so he's like running battles, you know, with like, he's got like figurines and like a big map. And like he's General Lee and he's telling, you know, where their troops should go and stuff like that. And I was thinking there was always, I feel like someone in, in the family, like that was a man, a normal man's hobby was like either World War II, Civil War. Probably I feel like those two, not, I don't think I remember, maybe it was just because of time periods, World War One. but there's, you know, there's that hobby is gone. There's mm-hmm. no like yeah. old men, very few are, you know, like, like love. Uh, those types of topics, or at least I don't see them. You know, there's so few left. Uh, I don't know anyone else. I mean, I have a couple of friends that are close to my age, and they they seem interested when I talk to them about stuff. I don't know. Maybe they're just humoring me. <laughs> but, um, you know, but and I know that not everyone has the time. And a lot of times I think people wouldn't even know where to start once they, like if they hear you and I kind of talking about something, they still don't know exactly where they would start to research because there's so much stuff out there. But, yeah, you're right. It's a dying um, hobby for sure. Yeah, it switched from from that to Funko Pops. That's that's the <laughs> switch that's been made. Right? <laughs> that or Pokemon. I saw um, – he might have been TikTok, but it was it was pretty funny. It was like a short video, and it was talking about how – I think actually it was a comedian. It didn't show the comedian, but he was doing this joke, and he's like – talking about how older people, when they look back at photos, they would be like, well, this was my uncle with uh, Lindbergh or some famous guy who had just uh-huh. accomplished something fantastic or would accomplish something very interesting. And he said, like, you know, this next generation, like, it's going to be like, well, here's my here's my mom with a picture of her meal from the <laughs> restaurant. And That's <laughs> true. Things like that. So That's true. It's, oh, it's, dude, that... it's, it's like we have all this information at our fingertips, even though there's a lot of censorship, but people are just not interested. No, 
And, and there you're, I mean, and that was one thing I think, and you know, I, I, I know we weren't talking about this topic, but I, there's been a lot of discussion. I mean, you did your show, you know, your Zionist theories um, and there's, but it's because that, that type of pattern recognition, I'm trying to use the correct terms, phrases, it's, it's exploding, dude. And I think we were kind of talking, we were texting earlier how Nick Fuentes was debating a, a very, very popular le- left-wing streamer, uh, Destiny, on the, on the, the, the Zionist question. And over 110,000 people tuned into that live stream. And it's on, it was, it wasn't on like a hit. It was on this podcast called fresh and fit, which is it, it's ran by this like black guy. It's kind of a more like a pop culture mm-hmm. commentary thing. But I just was shocked that a hundred and, and then I see people put, you know, polls up on Twitter. Like who I afraid who, who would you rather babysit your kid, a Nazi or, or a, a furry. And it was something <laughs> like, you know, like 94% picked. So it's, the internet, it's you know, even with the censorship, it it it, it is shocking to see the how some people are take have taken advantage and are learning are making are making these connections and having questions like, huh, that is weird that you know this small group seems to have so much positions of power and things. So, um, the point my point is, you know, the, the all this information, very few people go after it, but it yeah. is growing in certain areas, in my in my opinion of. Yeah, uh, in some ways, I agree, and it's kind of like we're getting used to it because you know they're sprinkling it in with like TV and movies more, like the truth, I guess you would say, and um, things are not as hidden as they used to be. And I kind of wonder if that is actually making people like it's good in a way, but also is it making them apathetic, you know, to it? Like, because I talk to people and they. Some people, and they, they'll surprise me sometimes with some of the things that they know or they suggest. But then, it's like you said, they don't really go much farther than that. They're kind of like, well, that's just the way it is. I can't do anything about it. And, yeah. and maybe that's the best way to be. I don't know. Not everybody can start a podcast and, you know, try to get through to anyone who will listen. But, uh, you know. No, <laughs> no. Unless you're like, and, and, and unless you, that's your, your job as a professional Lie, you know, you make enough that you can be a like Owen Benjamin type, or yeah, maybe and even Sam Tripoli, he can't. I mean, he can't. I'm sure he has thoughts that he can't share because of advertisers and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I I think we brought we talked about this earlier. Is it the is it it's become it seems to be more acceptable to say things that were definitely not acceptable ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and with the thing that you had mentioned about the uh, Nick Fuentes and the subject that they had, you know, were debating, I do see a lot more people talking about that in the last maybe six months or so, maybe even a year. And it's surprising because there's some people that are pretty informed about it. But, you know, I, I don't know if it's going anywhere. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. that the people are starting to just see. It's easy to see once you start to, like you said, pattern recognition with that particular subject, look at the last names, maybe look at the, the bloodlines and stuff like that, or maybe the, the NGOs that they belong to or whatever. It's pretty easy once you start to do it. And then once you do it, you're like, why didn't I do this before? How did I not recognize this? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, it's true. Dude. It's true. 
That's true. Well, I mean, and this is it's like, you know, I, I, we were talking about how I was going to do the show kind of on the drugs and the mob. And I didn't do this some part on my, my, on, cause it's like part two of my, of the, that book, the book I'm reading the politics of heroin. But I don't, I, I don't think how many people realize the, you know, everyone, when you think of the mafia, you think of the Italian mafia, very few people will ever make this connection that it was actually the, the Jewish mafia that most likely ran the Italian mafia, if not created it. And, and if not, at minimum, some of the top dogs were, weren't Italian at all, you know? And that's so, you know, you look at all these mafia movies, all these mafia books and this, you know, people like people like Meyer Lansky, um, Arnold Rothstein, maybe they'll mention them briefly, but they never bring up that the these were the guys that Meyer Lansky was, you know, Luciano's right hand man, probably boss. He was the one that helped in I, I don't know if you know this story, but Meyer or look at Luciano, he was 1930s, so pre-World War II. Biggest he was the biggest heroin dealer. Um he had he was making something like twelve it's insane, like twelve million dollars a month on prostitution. He had like a harem of like 4,000 women. And what he did would do is he'd get them all addicted to, to heroin. So they couldn't leave. Um, what was the, what was the point I was, I was going with that? Oh, with the, um, not being the Italian, the, the Italians uh, weren't exactly the top. Yeah. And so, and Lansky, so when the CIA, when the OSS or when I guess that, that wasn't even them was Naval intelligence when they wanted to stop, they want they they were having issues with the docks. They were worried pe- spies were sneaking in. There were strikes. They Meyer Lance he was was one of the top the guys they used to help connect with Lucky Luciano to get him out of prison. He had a night. He was sentenced for like 126 years. They they just pulled him out. But so I it's a, something that's like so overlooked in uh, especially mob culture. The the just that that connection, which is I just always I just I never like I never knew that until you know. I've only read just a little bit of that history, you know, doing those shows on, uh, you know, those we don't speak of. And uh, also I I remember reading uh, about the black hand. Does that, did that come up in the book? Not yet, but you, I, I only know black hand from uh, Franz Ferdinand, but continue to go. I'd read a couple of articles that connected a Jewish mafia called the black hand maybe there's more than one i'm not sure but uh and also i'd read a little bit about uh i didn't realize this either but around the prohibition time or you know maybe it was right after when things started to be legalized uh there were quite a few uh of the main guys who were jewish that were that had the you know making liquor and i think there was some kind of um i'm blanking kind of on the details but there was some company that was really selling a lot and it was really bad stuff started making people sick and all that so i I had no idea about that history either so yeah interesting i don't know if all things lead to rome or they lead to somewhere else but (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i'm really like i know Uh, very little about like i've always assumed well not always but in the last maybe 20 25 years i've assumed that the drugs that come in and out of the U.S. are allowed to happen to a degree. Um, yeah, I mean it's and you're, you're you're 
And it's, I mean, so if my like brief, I, I, I talked about this, so I couldn't sleep the other night and I like create, did a whole debate inside my head about the drug culture and how it, it started. But it's an amazing, like it's, it literally, literally, like I can say this without a doubt that the drug trade was revived by the, the C by the OSS, by the CIA. I, there is a statistic. So they, you have, you know, you have, Opium's a major commodity for 200 years. We know Skull and Bones, I think, what, Taft family. Mm-hmm. And was it the Russell family or was it the Rose- Roosevelt family? I think it Who was started... all three, actually. I, okay. But definitely Roosevelt was a part of it, for sure. And, and they, they made their millions off of off of opium. They started Skull and Bones. All of these people, for 200 years, all these people got wicked rich. Indi- you know, Britain was able to, to ravage China and then when once slavery ended, they needed a new crusade. And I think at this, and this was, you know, 1870s, 1880s. So I think people, for the most part, they were trying to do what they thought that was right, right? Because all these addicts were popping up everywhere. And um, and that's another interesting thing was that, so, you know, like the, the snake oil salesman, the, the snake oil, all of it contained opium, all of it. And these, everyone though would have their own patent. So they'd add whatever, mystery thing to to separate but it was opium there was whatever else they were adding did nothing it was the opium that was the cure-all and so they they had all this patent business was huge in the 1880s 1890s in the u.s i mean more women were addicted to opium than men which is an wow. insane statistic but so they, they who was the largest advertiser in the newspapers was these patent companies these drug these companies selling opium they were the largest newspaper advertisers. So their addiction rates are skyrocketing, you know, right again, right around 1900, but no one's talking about it. Why? Why isn't the press bringing it up? Because their biggest advertiser is these patent companies <laughs> that are selling the heroin or selling the opium. And it just, it's just history rhymes so well because even then, when, you know, the press wasn't completely, um, you know, corporatized or whatever ran by the same five people even then the press wouldn't touch the pharma world they, they let it go because i mean i just i never i just that's an amazing thing that for over 120 years the largest advertiser in mainstream media has been the pharmaceutical world like isn't that crazy though it it's really insane. is it's like some things never change we're just repeating cycles you know yeah Dude, it's just it's just crazy to me, and that. But regardless, though, after that, they the 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 they they start you know the prohibition movement started getting hold, and I think again, I think it was it, I think it could be maybe one of two ways. It could have been the 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 the, the narrative being created because that's what they always do, right? They they give you something, and you're like it, for the women's rights, like you know, women deserve if they want to go to college. They should be able to. Yeah, I we can agree with that. But really, the goal is to get to the point of where feminism has brought us now. Mm-hmm. But so I think that was with what the drug, the big prohibition movement was the the big push was for there was, you know, look at all these fa- abusive fathers, blah blah blah. And so yeah, let's stop this. But they they stopped it because these families that for two hundred years had already made millions, countries made millions off of selling drugs. They knew if that they prohibit the sale of drugs, who's going to make the money? It's going to be these still families that control the, the, the courts, that control the protection, that control 
that have the connections. Um, and they knew that was just going to skyrocket their prices and at the same time, make them look good. Like, Oh no, we don't want the, everyone on drugs. You know, we want everyone healthy and off of drugs, but that's that, that they, they were aiding and embedding, bringing these narcotics and alcohol into the, into the United, specifically into the United States. Yeah. That's, and that's like when, um, eventually, you know, they, they said, well, we want to make it safe. So we'll regulate everything, you know, regulate. And of right. course it's, you know, all these power players that are making the decisions that are, you know, they, they're, they're writing the regulations for the politicians most likely. And <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and we're still seeing that again, obviously today too, because you know how it is. It's like we have these big bills and, and you know, a lot of times they get passed in a couple of days. They, they, there's no way they have time to read them. You know, they don't know what's in them and they vote on them anyway. And so, <laughs> dude, and before, and we'll go back to the drugs, but I always, I saw, I saw some short clip about, uh, about the federal reserve act in 1913. And the guy brought up how prior to 19th, I mean, just think of the power the public had prior to the federal reserve if the United States government wanted to purchase something, they would have to sell bonds to the public to get the funding for whatever project they wanted. So if they wanted to, whatever, build a bridge, they would need to sell government bonds. And if the public wanted that bridge, they would buy the bonds. And that was how they funded these things. And that went, and so you, you look at the power that the public has. If we, if we didn't want to fund Ukraine, you wouldn't buy the U.S. war bonds. And guess what? Then the U.S. cannot support Ukraine. And instead, then they, they trick, you know, however they tricked the public then, I'm sure it wasn't too difficult. Um, then it switched. Now the government has, ult- they, there, is, there is no veto ability from the public. They can just, they'll just, they have an unlimited credit from the same family, a lot of the same opium families uh, to, to just get as much money as they want. You know, it's just. Yeah, yeah and let's, crazy. you know, pe- Congress has basically given up their their war powers, you know, they, to, to, you know, their powers to regulate wars or approve wars, and a lot of times they don't even declare the wars anymore. And no. they, so why why declare them when you can still get the money to fund them? So, right, dude. I mean, did I don't think George did uh, for at post two thousand one. He didn't. He, Congress did. I don't. Did he? Was that a war? Did he? Congress. I don't know if Congress even. I don't, I don't think, think that, it was. I don't think so. I, I don't think they may have declared it a war, but I don't think it officially was because I'm pretty sure I remember reading that Congress didn't pass it. I don't think they've passed one since maybe before Vietnam, if I'm correct. Could have been the Korean War. I'm not sure for sure. You know, don't, yeah, don't, I, think, I don't know about Korean War. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that, but. But, and, and just to relate, so in, so, so you had, um, so you had alcohol prohibition. So that's what, so the, the prohibition that starts, you know, the Al Capone era that starts the criminal syndicates, the international criminal syndicates to get alcohol and heroin into the United States. So that was what, so you had, you know, when it was legal, you had a large group, but it was legal. So not causing many issues. You have prohibition. This guy, this cr- creates criminal syndicates. This creates a black market. This creates all this violence and then you have um, that that's post World War One. Then you have World War Two happens, and so at the time in World War pre World War Two, you have three groups that are bringing heroin and, and drugs in the United States. You have eighty percent of it coming from Shanghai and China. 
the other 20% is coming from the Corsican mafia and a a small section coming from the Sicilian mafia. So during World War II, though, um, the the Corsicans, they aligned with the Nazis, so they lost. So their, their, their gang is utterly eviscerated. The Sicilians, Mussolini had two decades of destroying destroying the Sicilian, they were, they were done for. And then China, immediately after World War II, you have Mao Zedong who comes in, and he wipes out all the opium dealers. I think the statistic was he arrested something like 365,000 people. Uh, they, they did 900 public executions, 27,000 imprisonments. And just, so now no opium's there. And so now we're post-World War II. There's a, at this point, heroin was... Prior to World War II, around 45% pure coming in the United States before it was cut. Um, during the war, it, they, none of that heroin from Europe and from Asia was coming in. So the only heroin coming in was from Mexico, which was around 2 to 3% pure. It was total crap. Yeah. And at the end of World War II, America had only 20,000 addicts. And I don't know what our population was at that time. It had to be, you know, in the hundreds of million, maybe maybe 190, 80, 100 million. But 20, I mean, that's nothing, dude. 20,000, right. that's nothing. <laughs> and so if you were a honest, good country, you would say, well, let's just finish this, dude. What, you know, let's, let's clean up, let's get the rest of this figured out. Let's end this forever. But instead, what does the OSS do? They revive, they can't revive China because Mao's taken full power, but they, they get the neighboring areas, hence the Vietnam War, bombing Laos and all these other places. So that they start help, they give all the, because they're broke third world countries. Mm-hmm. So they need guns, they need money, they need logistics. The CIA, OSS, CIA provided all of those. But the Corsican and the Sicilian Mafia, like I said, were totally demolished. And it would have taken, like a local police force could have finished it. They, they would have dropped them down. But what happens, the, o, the OSS and the CIA, they go to the Corsican Mafia and they say, here's a bunch of guns, here's a bunch of money. We're going to get you back the control of the docks because there was a lar- rising communist party for France. And the same thing with Italy, there's a rising communist party in Sicily. And so the CIA al- aligns with these two, the Mafia and the Corsicans, and they build these groups back up from square one. And by within five years, the heroin, the international drug trade was started again. But I but that just like made me almost sad. Like you yeah. look at I you look at the videos you see of like my area, Kensington and Philadelphia, LA, of this these zombies walking around, and they get an, they have another chance later, and we'll we'll get to that down the road. But and they had the per- the chance to end it all, and they instead they they rose it again. Isn't that like Ugh. that? Like it's just the perfect depiction of the United States yeah. government. Yeah, you know? the, the real the real depiction. You know, the yes. honest one. Um, <laughs> can I ask you quickly? Like, yeah. I've, I've seen the name Corsican, and I'm just not sure. Are they like? Are they from a particular? Pl- I mean, obviously they're from a particular place, but I'm not. Yeah, so it, it's the Corsica. It's so Corsica, where Napoleon's from, my boy. Okay, uh, all it's, right. It's an that uh, it's an island right there, like between Italy and 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 it's by Italy because it was it went back and forth between Italian control, France control, French control. Corsicans are very they hated both of them, 
but so that's where kind of like this it's kind of it, a lot like sicily it's an island that's super okay. close gotcha. who controls it they want to be nationalistic they don't want to be controlled by anybody but that's why the so that's the corsican mafia and they were very known for heroin because france and the marseille ports that's where a lot of was was coming out but because france had colonized or had been in southeast asia and vietnam and in all those you know all those little countries there which were growing the heroin so that's why the 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 course can have you ever seen the french connection the movie with gene hackman i've never seen it yeah uh, it's a classic <laughs> dude it's one but i forget when the movie made but that, at the time it was the largest heroin drug bust and it was called the french connection because it was the corsican mob that was bringing in the heroin and oh, okay. it, was, it was like a, only like a suitcase full but um yeah, so that that's the Corsican mob is just this is is just the French, is just the French mafia. Basically. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks for clearing that up because I yeah yeah I've seen that name and uh, I think there was even a car back in the day like a Chrysler or something called the Corsica and I I've never looked it up to see you know what the the root of that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but yeah I I just and that was an, another thing that just totally random but. It's crazy how court how Napoleon he was Corsican the same way that Mustache Man was Austrian and wow. both would become leader and that's the one so I will you know I'm 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 way off the Tartaria theory but I did find that very ironic that two of these very similar uh, history viewed people have a very similar backstory that they would end up leading countries that were not their 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 own country and they're extremely nationalistic you, you know, know that is always, interesting uh, uh, just to just just remind me of something because i know that the cia has had a habit when they overthrow these smaller third world countries of putting a leader in that sometimes is not even from there like i know they tried that with uh probably the latest one i could think of and there may be even a a, a more recent one is libya the guy that they tried to put in charge once they, you know, went over there and destroyed it, basically, they, um, yeah. he was a CIA asset. I can't remember. I can't remember where he was originally from, but he was living here. He was not a member of their country, and they rejected him. And they had formed something called like the Government of World Accord or something real creepy like that. And tried to force him on the people, but that's that's one of the things that they do. I just think that's that's kind of an interesting uh, similarity. That is interesting, there. dude. Well, I didn't know that. Oh, Libya, what is such a sad? You know, Gaddafi, just such a ugh, poor poor place, dude. So it doesn't doesn't shock. I wonder when they installed. I wonder if it was post Gaddafi or or where it who went when that when they did that. But, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was post Gaddafi. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, but yeah, and so they, um, they they revive these all these drug international drug connections all over the world or with the the two and so that's what built the mob and that's why J, J Edgar Hoover for forty years when was asked is there an organized crime in America he would laugh and the media would laugh and and mock and say there is no Cosa Nostra, no organized crime that exists in America. And they're saying this because they're working directly with the federal government. Um, and there are so many stories 
about before the DEA started, the, the organization was called the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. I think that was the, the name of some F yeah, something FBN. And so they pick a director. It's this guy, uh, Henry, I think Anslinger and Anslinger. He worked in Naval intelligence during world war two. And at this time, post war, a lot of the heroines, the, the Corsicans and the Sicilians, they weren't the growers. They were, they would get the raw opium and they had the labs to turn it into heroin. And then they had the connections to traffic it into America. Oh my God, odd man. Again, I just forgot. I, what was, what was the, where was I going with this? I was start over in Asia. Oh, and so Anslinger, he's in charge. He's international. He is supposed to be the international drug guy to stop it all. And there's, they, they, I, they, they identify the top 265 drug traffickers in the world. Again, 80, 90% of the heroin opium being grown is from Southeast Asia at this time. And not, there was a one name on this list of 265 people that resided in, in Southeast Asia. Everybody else was all over the world. So basically, and, and Anslinger, he sent his agents all over Europe, all over the world to, to you know, become intel and to, to gather information. He sent not a single person to Southeast Asia. And then eventually the FBN, it gets so corrupted. I think he gets pushed out by Kennedy. Um, and then eventually the, 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 they have a huge corruption scandal. And then they, they, they create the DEA after that to try and create a new, new name. And the DEA, they, they are underneath the CIA. So all their drug arrests, so they, anytime it will get too close to a CIA agent, a CIA operation, they backed off. They they wouldn't continue inter- investigating. They just let it go, and so that's why we you have the drug problem you have today because it's the I imagine the same system is in place where is that you know here's this guy's the the biggest drug lord of whatever area. Can we go after him? Well, no, we can't because he's he's a U.S. puppet that's doing exactly what what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's just depressing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, what was the um... I think he was a, a, a Mexican. Um, I've got a little buzz in my mic here. Uh, what was his name? The guy that es- escaped prison. Oh, um, El Chapo. Yeah, this guy just escapes a maximum right. security prison. I mean, come three on, times. I mean, three times, three times. And and the the last one, I'm sure you remember how he rode out of prison on a motorcycle that was uh, in a tunnel that was built underneath his his prison cell. <laughs> Yeah, and yes, Mexican Mexico is a is a corrupt country, but the they it just reminds me of like this is America this is American propaganda, dude. Like to think that this guy, you know, he's this multi billionaire. Um, he you know so okay fine he they dig him out of prison, but the best part of the story and you can look at the New York Times. There's a New York Times when they finally arrest him because then the U.S. goes after him and they. Prior to that, the, the New York Times have reported how he rolls 400 deep, armed to the teeth. Um, you know, the, everyone's terrified of him. And the, the United States government was able to arrest him without a single shot being fired. And <laughs> if you, like, if I am El Chapo, I'm a billionaire. I have more money than God. I have so many people that are going to die for me that I'll, I, I just let myself be taken without a fight. I know where I'm going. If, right. if it's the U S you know, like the, so the point I'm making is, is these people, these, 
these leaders of these drug organizations, they're, 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 they're controlled and ran by, they're put in place by the CIA. They're not, they're not just some crazy entrepreneur that slowly rises the ranks. Same with, um, who is the Colombian? Um, Oh, um, who am I thinking of? You know, uh, uh, Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Yeah. Again, another example, really you, Pablo Escobar, he's slaughtering all these judges. Supposedly. I mean, he's, he's creating the quote unquote narco state, but the U S government can't take him out. Yeah. And they eventually do because he runs the, the, once they get to a certain extent, then they have to look good and they'll, and I, who knows they even kill him. Right. I mean, we right. don't even, they, you never know that, but all these, these leaders, it, it's in my opinion, it's a lie. They're not mm-hmm. actual, these, these drug entrepreneurs, they're placed there because they're willing to play ball with the United States government and they're willing to keep their mouths shut for a certain extent of time. And, uh, and then once they serve their purpose, just like when we install a puppet leader, mm-hmm. they get rid of them and they, they create a new one. And that's, so it's another, it's another fake fear. The narco state thing, yeah. like, you know, no, oh, Mexico's a narco state or is going to become a narco state. That it, that doesn't make any sense because if it was truly a narco state, then you wouldn't be able to arrest El Chapo. You wouldn't be able to do so many of these things. It's just another fear tactic. That's mm-hmm. great. Just kind of like with North Korea, right? Like, Oh, they're going to, but nuke us or whatever they say your town, this country, according to you guys can't even feed its populace. It can't, it's so backwater. It's so confused, but yet they can create nukes. They have all these, how, how, how are they creating nukes? You know, it's just the fear thing to, to justify spending, you know, $800 billion a year on the military. In my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. I've always, for the longest time thought that North Korea, there was some bullshit going on because it just doesn't add up. And it's like one of their three or four countries. It's a go-to country to, uh, you know, to cause fear, you know, North Korea, Iran, Russia, um, probably a couple more I'm not thinking of right now, but it's like their go-to, you know, and uh, yeah, and, and that and that was another thing that, and so I I can't I wouldn't feel comfortable making the claim that every war post World War II has been about opium production and heroin production, but it's definitely in the top three reasons. This all Vietnam, it was in the Golden Triangle. That's where we were growing opium, um, and so eventually once Vietnam ends or what, it, and that, oh that was another thing. That's the hilarious part all the heroin that's being grown in Southeast Asia is it they the press says it's the communist ignoring the fact that the communist the peasant army of mao chased out all of the drug dealers and drug users killed them in china but no it's the it's the you know it's and i i know you know the the story of how operation gladio was started to help fund chiang kai shek the chinese nationalist to fight the Chinese communists, they they were growing opium, selling it, and that was how they provided the guns and the weapons for uh, the nationalist army that's eventually ended up in Taiwan. Uh, but so, I mean, all, but so after the Vietnam War ends, op- they, they, you know, they need a new place for opium production. So they decide, let's go, we're going to go Turkey in the Middle East. What's our next war after post-Vietnam? It's in Afghanistan. Where's, what's going on after that's where all the the opium production is going 
And so it's that, and you've, we both have heard the stories of the military guards protecting the opium fields and, you know, in the, in these countries. And so you can really like follow all these dots that all these wars, is it, do they choose these places solely because it's chaos there? I don't know, but it's very weird how the majority of heroin and opium is coming from the countries that we just keep going into wars with like Iran, like, like Afghanistan and so forth. You know, I just, it's an, it's an, it's a, a conspiracy or just a coincidence. Oop, I think you're on mute. I'm having trouble with this mic. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> so um, I read a little bit in the book called uh, Dope Inc. I think I'd mentioned that yeah. once oh, before. Oh, yeah. I remember you were telling me you were reading that. So I've read some excerpts from it. And uh, this one section was talking about the Trilateral Commission. And it said that uh, David Rockefeller, like he'd started these NGOs. Uh, one was called the Council of the Americas. And it was just talking about how they'd gotten involved in these other countries, not for the reasons they say, of course, to help, you know, political, kind of like men, political fences and, and kind of bring the world together. That might be part of it, but it was talking about how it's all about drugs. And that's, it's what they're really working on because there's so much money to be made in these other countries, on, you know, with selling drugs. <laughs> Dude. Um, Pakistan and I, I don't, I know so little, I thought, I feel like we're, we're not on good terms with, are we on good terms with Pakistan or no? I think at least, um, I think it's kind of like Rocky because wasn't that when, where they supposedly found bin Laden and, uh, then we stormed in there. Okay. Allegedly to get him <laughs> without, you know, any warning. We didn't tell the government and all that. And, a lot of people are saying, well, Pakistan knew that he was living there for a long time. So I, I'm not real sure. I don't think they're our allies. Because So the CIA created the Pakistani CIA, whatever it's called, SDCSCE or something like that. But in Pakistan at the time in the 1980s, their, their GDP was $8 billion a year. Four billion dollars a year was their hair was their opium, and that's what was half of their world, their their country's economy was opium production. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that, it, it, like how could you imagine four billion? And now, at the I mean, the drug industry alone, it's some something something like four to five hundred billion dollars a year is made off of the drug, the the the, the black market and drug trade. And so to think that that much money that the, the bankers, that the power elite are just going to say, Oh, that's good for these drug runners. They're like, yeah, they can, sure. They can have the, 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 the $600 billion a year. We don't need any of that. It's laughable to think that that's, they're going to allow that. They, they, they're so free market. They love that. They, they would allow that. It's, it's absurd. Absolutely. I mean, that much money, you know, I mean, the things where people, would do nefarious people would do to make that kind of money and keep that kind of money coming in. I, I don't think there's many limits to it. So, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like people that don't believe this stuff's true. Well, you know, it's the, the drugs keep coming in no matter what is done. Obviously there doesn't seem to be a real good uh, attempt to kind of keep the drugs out of America 
And, you know, I've said for a long time, they could have done a lot of things, I think, as far as just the alleged drugs that are coming across the border of Mexico. Oops. I mean, I they didn't lose you. Oh, no, man. Test, test, test. Oh, can you no. hear me? Oh, no. Can you Did... hear me on, man? Yeah, I can hear you. Oop. All right, there we go. I got you. Sorry, Back. buddy. Oh, no, no. Okay, nope. sorry about that. No sorry. problem can whatsoever. I... I, th I lost you after whenever you just started talking, so you're going to have to repeat. No, I was just saying that, you know, that amount of money, I, you know, people would do a lot of things for that amount of money and to keep it coming in. And uh, I don't think it's even that hard to think about. I mean, um, and these things have been going on for so long behind the scenes. We've been lied to. You know, they, they kind of paint this picture. It's almost like, um, you know, like theater, you know, they got to keep us thinking different things, you know, anything but the truth, keep us distracted and keep our minds on other things. And, uh, you know, people have just become so kind of dumb and, and, you know, kind of going along with whatever the media says. And like you said before, the media has been uh, kind of um, part of the whole system really for the longest time. I, I read a, a few quotes from Thomas Jefferson while back and he was talking about then he was chastising the media because he said they were so horrible so if it was horrible then you know and i have some you know i, I like some of the things jefferson said uh you know the founding fathers you can't agree with everything they did but yeah uh some of the things they were you know brilliant on but yeah you know obviously uh he was probably telling the truth because uh he was talking about how they were trying to uh divide the the people and of course they do that now on a major scale on a major scale, but it's it's just, and the I'm sorry I'm, I keep jumping but jumping back, but the you know so the the drug usage just continued to grow post World War II, and the justification was fighting communism and that they were only going to get it get black people addicted. That was their I guess how they slept at night. That was the lie they told. But that that was another thing that I and I always I think I've brought I've asked this question to you so many times and I think I've, I'm getting the answer better. But it's it's so it's hard to 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 put together this all this money being spent to fight communism when th that the direction we're going is this Marxist corporate socialist um, way. And because you I am sure you follow a few of like the conspiracy communist accounts. And I'm, I'm always like, how do you believe this? Like that, that does, you know, that's the goal is communism. And the more that I read and stuff like that, I can see why they fall under that because you can almost use the same logic that we use for why they don't want a monarchy or why they don't want a, a true Republic or a true free market capitalism. And the same logic can be applied to the, to, communism because they spent all this drug they you they created a drug enterprise and other things to fight communism so clearly it, that i mean i i just can't see that being the actual goal right i you know i think that there's there is there they they have a fear i think maybe because communism is i i don't know why why that's their why that's their fear even though it seems that's the way that's the way our country is going but I don't think that is the goal, if that makes sense. I, th I think it's a related closely, but not the, not the same thing. I, I hope that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. And yeah, I think that uh, they definitely want to take elements of communism and also fascism. 
And in I think it's like um, Carol Quigley and this guy Gary Allen. Um, I think even Anthony C. Sutton may have talked about it, where they really don't care what type of government you call it as long as they can use that system for their own ends. Mm. And uh, so I don't think that it's hard for me to believe, too, that they are that against communism when it comes down to, you know, what they really believe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and, cause, and like, the, yes, they funded Lenin. Stalin's viewed pretty negatively in history. And even like the very left leaning people today, they still use that fear or they'll say like, we're not, we hate communism. Uh, you know, even though, and then the boomers on the right were like, oh, they're communist, but it, they're, it's something in the middle there. That's not, yeah. it's not a, they, they don't want communism. They definitely, they obviously don't want a fully free market economic system, but I just, that, that, so that helped me on, I, cause there, that, that one guy, um, what's his Twitter account? We both follow him. He's a, I've never listened, but he's a brilliant guy. I Is think. It, Jimmy Fallon Gong. Okay, that's yeah, that's who I thought you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a brilliant guy, but he's a he's a communist, and I and I always am like, dude, you know so much. How do you? But so I can see why they you fall into that trap because if you look at, especially the drug wars, South America, all these Operation Gladi- Gladio, Condor, all these things, you can see why I, I can see how you fall into that. Well, the government doesn't want communism because then they'll lose their power. The the, the, the power elite don't want communism because they'll lose their, there's a chance they might lose their power or something. Um, yeah. And I think I, that communism may, they may be afraid too that um, with the, the people who stand to, to get the power and, and make the money, especially that in a communist government, the power would be more centralized and they wouldn't be able to capitalize on that, which may very well be true. Um, you know, they've, they seem to have it in for like Venezuela, you know, for one, of course, you know, that could be because of the oil <laughs> under the ground in Venezuela, but they've always, they've been trying to control and, and infiltrate the government there for years. Maybe they have by now. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I talked about, uh, on one of the shows about the, that book I read on the Congress for cultural freedom and, and most of those people, or at least the top ones were, Trotskyites, uh, everyone except for, I mean, there was a few exceptions. Um, the one guy, what was his name? The guy that wrote, wrote the 13 tribes or whatever. Oh, for, Arthur, uh, something. Yeah. Kosler. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he was a staunch anti-communist, but, uh, the other guys were like a bunch of them had even a couple of them had even worked for, uh, communists and had worked for the one guy, they call him the, like the, he was kind of like the, the greatest Soviet propagandist ever, but people don't talk about him that much. Uh, Willie Munzberg. So a couple oh, of those guys had even worked for Munzberg. And, uh, you know, when they allegedly, when Stalin came to power, he was killing people and he was much different than Lenin and Trotsky. Yes. So they decided they were anti-communist. So they came over here, the OSS hired them to spread liberalism or oh, really man. Trotskyitism, or it was kind of neo-Trotskyitism all across the world with all their magazines and stuff like that. So interesting. It's weird how that you know you would. And, 
I, I'm not good enough to know, you know, I see, I, cause I follow a few like commie counts and they, they'll call people like, you know, Oh, he's a, I'm, I'm a Trotsky Ike or I'm a, you know, Leninist or I'm a whatever Marxist and, but style. And there's a few Stalin people, but I forget which book I read it, read it in, but Stalin, he gets probably like the most hate into mainstream history and the guy, whoever, whatever book it was in, he attributed that to that. Yes, Stalin was a communist, but he was a nationalist, most importantly. Mm. And so that's why um, he's he's not as viewed favorably among the communists and and those groups. It's because he was a com. He, he, I mean, I not he wasn't a national socialist, but he was a a, a nationalist to an extent. So I wonder, you know, was Marx and all these other people, they probably, you know, all no one's illegal type of people, you know, that makes all, a lot all of humans are, are, are legal. That makes a lot of sense because nationalism for the longest has been the, almost like the, uh, even before, you know, the mustache man, it's been the, the enemy, the major enemy of like the global elite. And, you know, I understand where, you know, you can have, you know, there's a fine line, but also to, you know, at the other side of it to try and make people feel guilty for being proud of where they came from and say they have no right to, you know, to defend their own country and to want what's best for their own people. I mean, that is some BS because <laughs> the people that are pushing against that, they're basically a lot of them, you know, at the heart of it are just trying to get a better place for themselves. You know, yes, and, and they're fake. They're they're hypocrites. To, you know, to yes. the core. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's you know that and totally off. Uh, um, you know, a, the ADL has a a Twitter account, and they have I, I'll make it like seventy five, eighty thousand followers. Or stop anti semitism. That's the account it has eighty thousand followers, and there's a new there's another account called like Ant Stop Anti White Hate. And it just broke over 120,000 um, Twitter followers. And that it just got me thinking, like, how much of our beliefs, and we know this, but are so astroturfed that they want to alienate you, make you think you're a crazy person or a racist or a bigot, when in reality it's probably the majority feel this way, the smaller percentage are on this side of the, the fence. Oh, absolutely. That, absolutely! I just found that fun. Like it, it, they, they, they smashed them, you know. Yeah. And it, you, yeah, and maybe an excuse would be would be like, oh, well, it's people that hate that are following that account. But I follow Stop Anti-Semitism as account, and I, I don't want, I don't believe, you know, I don't, I don't subscribe to this. That if you criticize Israel, you're an, an anti-Semite or whatever. So it, it I just, I, it kind of going back to whatever we were talking about or how things are changed. I think things are changing. Oh, how, how 110,000 people are watching live about this topic. Uh, I do think that that's their biggest fear is that they realize more and more people feel realize that we share the similar beliefs. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, not to get you know, deeply into that subject, but you know, and they, they'll say this, they, they've said this for years too, when you call that group of people we're talking about cosmopolitans, they say that's anti-Semitic too, but it's just the truth because so many of them have come from different places. And you can even read that in some of their own books where they talk about how they've never felt like any place was their home. So, you know what I mean? So um, it would make sense that they don't, you know, have 
especially if you go back and you look at some of these guys from the group we're talking about that made so much money came over here and became such power players, they didn't have that love towards America like we did. They didn't have that patriotism. It was just another country that they could use to make money, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that could even be said probably about, um, uh, what was the guy, uh, Carnegie? He wasn't from here, you know, and they said that he once said that he'd never met a socialist he didn't like. You know, a lot of those guys, Wait, they just... They said, who, who said, uh, J.P. Moore, or who, uh, Carn- Carnegie said that? Allegedly, yeah. I had read that in, in my book. So, you know, and we know the Rockefellers, are clo- of course, have been close to... Uh, I mean, Rockefeller and Nixon, I think, are probably partially, at least partially to blame for having the open trade with China that killed thousands upon thousands of jobs. So, Oh, dude. and that was, uh, that, and Nixon came up in the, in the drug, this drug book because, um, you know, so prohibition didn't work. It exploded everything. So they, after they, they stopped putting billions into prohibition, they put, started putting billions into eradication. And at the time, of uh, the Nixon administration, I think they were spending two. They had a budget of two billion dollars a year, and 1.2 billion of it was spent on eradication. And so what they would do is they went to um, Turkey at this point because that was now where who was growing most of the the heroin, and they would spray the fields or whatever. Um, only to and they knew. I'm I'm sure they knew this would happen, but all this. So you would think, okay, they burned all the crops. It's over. Production in the next year increased by 30%, 30%. So, and like, so the, these, every tactic, it's just the, the point I'm making is they, it's, it's almost like the, the NASA, you just give the, they give these groups billions of dollars that are spent whichever way they are, knowing that they're not going to, they're only going to increase production or increase the issue that they're, allegedly trying to stop but i just found that that ironic that 80 percent was spent on this eradication of this billions of of just you know dousing crops burning fields and the next year it increased 25 percent <laughs> of uh you know and that's afghanistan's the same story yeah when we first got there it was like two thousand tons in 10 years they were up to twenty thousand tons of of opium they were making a year like, how does that work? We're, all of our American soldiers are there. We have, we're having a war. How is production increased doubling? Uh, you know, it's just... Uh, it's it, crazy, man. It just man. proves to you. Yeah, it, yeah you, you go back and look at that uh, the one guy they said was the uh, highest decorated military man of his time, um, Smedley Butler, and he had that yeah. book, um, what was it called? Uh, oh, yes. War is a Racket. Yes. It's like a real short book, but you know, he, he talks in there about how, you know, he was all about all the things that they had had him do. And it was pre-World War One or maybe pre-World War Two, Okay. That he had served for 30, uh, 33 years. Ding, 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 ding. Here we go. Nice. Nice. Very nice. But, uh, you got the bell. Yeah. I love it. But, um, you know, he talks about how he had went to war for basically sugar companies and banana companies and different things like that. You know, and it's the truth. I mean, it's either it's either heroin or it is one of these like mineral, you know, like a rare mineral or an expensive mineral. I mean, there's just no way around it. We don't go to war for the reasons they say we do. No, 
They have to. No. If if we did, they wouldn't have to spend millions of you know, or at least thousands upon thousands of dollars on propaganda to convince us, you know, that we have to go. Right. Or or if you would, you we would win wars. Exactly. I mean, we haven't won. You, you wouldn't have a twenty year war in a jungle exactly. if you were. If the goal was to win, you would. You should be able. Hypo, you you just beat you know Nazi Germany, Japan. You beat half the world. But you now you, you can't beat a third world j- people living in huts, jungle country. Yeah, exactly. You're the greatest. Are military. you trying? Like, you're not trying hard enough or something, guys, because that doesn't you have an unlimited budget. These people are using you, the bombs that didn't go off and rewiring them and booby trapping them. And you're losing to them. You know? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. You know, and, no. it, you know, Washington didn't even want the generals to win that war you know they wouldn't let no. them do the things they needed to do to actually win a lot of times and i think that was the first one where they really ex- got to experiment a lot you know like they've always used our men as, as pawns to a degree but they really did it then i think unfortunately yes. i think that was the, the definitely the catalyst because i don't know much about korea but it, I, I think korea you know maybe it was just another money maker maybe it was act the actual fear of communism but yeah, Vietnam was the that was the that that set the precedent for the for for the next whatever 50 60 years of what wars are going to be like these limited warfare unlim forever wars that that are just going to be cash cows forever. forever. Yeah, with no real exit strategy, no real winning strategy. What does winning look like? You know, we don't even know. They don't even tell the people because they don't no. know themselves. I mean, they don't want to win in that no. in the way that they're trying to portray to us. They their idea of winning is the funding and what they can get done during the process. And like you said, like the, with all the drugs and it's just unbelievable. I mean, I don't know how they even grow them. And I get, I guess you know, people join the military because they and fewer and fewer are joining, and they don't. It's not you know they'll never fight another conventional warfare war again. So I guess you don't need as many people joining the military anymore, but I don't know how you would do it. These, if this day, I mean, like I, the, the normal people that join the military, right. You know, low, lower class white people predominantly from the South. I yep. mean, how do you, how do you sign up for that anymore? Do, do you, yeah. Yeah. And I think they had to, uh, you know, they, they spent so much time convincing, especially people from the South. And a lot of these people have been Christians, you know, they joined the wars and stuff. They had to propagandize the hell out of them to make them think they were fighting for a worthy cause, of, of course, because if they knew, you know, what was at the, the heart of the reasons that we were, you know, going to war, they would never join. And so they've had to keep that facade of patriotism and, you know, love your country, your country cares about you, and, you know, the, the loyalty to the flag by pledging allegiance every morning at school and stuff like that, you know, and I I don't necessarily have a problem with that to a degree, but I think that that if you're going to do that, you need to teach true history to the kids, which will never, ever happen. No, no. And not that they kids remember any of the the history anyway. It's, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're coming up on. Oh yeah, go yeah. Ahead. I know. We're, I'm just. If I'll see if I have any other big, big thing to drop the. So, like I said, so we could end it addiction then. Could end it post 
in 1970, we'll end here, but the heroin also dropped, totally fell off in the early seven in uh, 19, like 72 or 73. And it went down to the lowest rates again that the world had seen. So it's round two to end heroin, the international heroin drug trade, everything like that. Oh yes, it was. Um, and then, and that was in seven. And then it was, uh, yeah, in 79, it, the DA reduced heroin from fire. The DA will just say that, but fine. Um, 500,000 kilos to 200,000. It was dry and it was because it was all coming from Afghanistan. And what happens in 1979, the CIA starts backing Afghani warlords. And I, I don't know when the first Gulf war started or when Russia got involved in Afghanistan, but that's then after that moment, what do you know? It, it doubles, triples, quadruples production rates. And, uh, and then we're, we're, and now this day and age, they don't need the these these opium wars because fentanyl is just created in a lab. You, it just needs a precursor. It doesn't need opium, and so now they don't need to use this tactic anymore. But it's just, it was just a it's a fascinating thing how drugs have literally built our the the world. They built the they, they built globalism was because of the drug trade. So I'll, I'll end with that. No, that was that's great. I mean, I mean, it's not great, of course, but it's a, a great job <laughs> on your part. And oh, thanks, dude. It's sad, man. It, it really is sad to think about what they've done to us. And um, going back to the, um, you know, the East India Company, the British East India Company, like you were saying earlier on, um, they addicted China, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just horrible. And, and they made so much money. Like, that went on for, what, a couple hundred years or something like yes, that? Yeah, so, for like 150, 200 years. So uh, this thing is not new. It's never stopped. And, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of these things that, you know, we used to have um, what they would call pirates and, and, and uh, <laughs> mobsters. And now these guys wear suits and ties and work for these huge companies and, and also work for these uh, – government agencies so that's that's where we are we haven't changed that much it's just changed the way thing that they've changed the way things look they've changed the structure exactly. a little bit exactly. it's the same old same old thing because unfortunately people you know a lot of people do want drugs and if they and they have to make you know they want addictive substances because that's customers and so yes yes yeah they want us addicted to their chemicals and their drugs and everything else much easier to control that type of person than, than one that's not addicted. Exactly. Know? Yeah. And, <laughs> and there's it, more than, you know, I'll say quickly too, you know, obviously there's more, it's not, a lot of things can be drugs. A lot of things that they sell you can be great point drug like that they want you addicted to great different point. products and stuff like great that. Point. Yeah. It doesn't need to be hair. It can be porn. It can be junk food, whatever it is. Yeah. 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 So thanks, man. Thank you so much for being on. And uh, I'd love to have you on again pretty soon to talk about whatever you're into at the time. Hey, anytime. Ah, oh, man, you've been on my show so many times, dude. And I'm glad I could I could help. I know how hard it is to, to keep reading and get notes out. So I'm glad. I Hopefully I, I gave you a, de- a decent, uh, a decent, decent, decent show here. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, I, I've been slow at getting to my next show. So this is awesome. I can take my time and finish it the way I want and put this one Good, out dude. and people Good. will be able to, I think people really, 
will really be into this because you told us a lot of history that I wasn't aware of. I'm sure a lot of people aren't aware of. Oh, good, dude. Good, good. Yeah, so for those that don't know, will you tell us how to find you and tell us how to listen to or watch your show? My show is called Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence. And that's why my, and so my Twitter handle is at Kojak Podcast. So if you want to follow follow me there and um, that, yeah, that's it. That's my plug at Kojak Podcasts. And uh, thank, thanks for having me on, dude. I, I'm, I'm so happy. I finally got to return the favor. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you, man. And yeah, he's a great follow on Twitter. So definitely follow him if you're on there. <laughs> He'll make you think. He might make you yeah, mad. I so. don't know about that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, right, we'll be dude. talking to you soon. People, remember, their order is not our order. See you guys. <laughs>